0: and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages it is your boy stevie jobber and it's your boy dangerous duke and welcome back to the dangerous jobbers podcast putting wrestling over one podcast at a time know this oh we have a great one for you guys today man duke just just tell them who it is
1: all right well you guys have been clamoring for more guests to be on the show from the wrestling business. And we definitely didn't disappoint on this one. We have probably one of the most exciting people that we can have on this show. Mm -hmm. He is a former impact and TNA tag team champion, former X division champion, former ring of honor, tag team champion, former New Japan Tag Team Champion. Mm -hmm. This man is an innovator. He's a highly, highly, in our opinion, underutilized talent. And it just so happens that he's going to be fighting for the Impact World title coming up very, very soon. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Alex Shelley. Welcome on the show. Hi. Hey, thank you for being on the show. We're glad to have you. Um, we're excited, man. You're definitely one of the people that we enjoy watching. We consider you an innovator, and we're just glad to have you.
2: Mm, appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words.
0: No um, problem. So uh, one of the first things we wanted to ask you just to, just to get it out there, uh, big things are, are happening right now. How does it feel uh, to be going into your first ever Impact World Championship match? <laughs> um,
2: it's pretty exciting. Uh, impact as a company has changed drastically, uh, even since I went there two years ago for the first time, but certainly since I was under a TNA contract last, which was 10 years ago. And I think the thing that excites me the most is the fact that the type of wrestling I most enjoy participating in and watching is what's defining the company right now. Uh, That being stated, Josh Alexander represents that very, very well. As far as how I feel about competing in a title match, since I came back almost a year ago, uh, about 10 months ago, I told myself that if I was going to come back uh, after I got vaccinated and boosted and all that, um, I wanted to wrestle guys who were going to push me, and I wanted to learn from them uh, as much as they may learn from me, if they learn from me at all. And I've been very fortunate to share rings with competitors who I feel are wildly talented. These guys, had they been around in 2004, 2005 would have definitely been people that Gabe Supples would have wanted in Ring of Honor or Ian Rotten would have asked back uh, after Mm -hmm. their match in the ring or ccw would use in the best of the best or tna would hot shot onto a wednesday pay-per-view and that may be dating myself but at the same time i don't know what else to compare it to because that's a level of talent that so many of these people that i've wrestled against possess so in a way the past nine ten months or so has prepared me for this moment um and these are technicians I'm talking about. These are Tom Lawler and Davey Richards and Kevin Blackwood and Mike Bailey and there's so many more that I'm sure I'm forgetting um or just not recalling at the moment. But I've been basically training for this for nine or ten months and I'm ready for it.
1: That's awesome. Um so I kind of want to piggyback off of something that you said. Uh you've been you just came back 10 months ago, like you said, almost a year ago, and you started wrestling around like 2003, four, around that time? 2002. 2002. Okay. Um, So you've been in the business for about 20 years. Um, From the time you started to now, has the, how has the business changed in your eyes and like, has it changed for the better or could it be even better?
2: their question asked me at the same time I feel like society on the whole has changed quite a bit too and if we look at what was prioritized just globally in two thousand two, three, four, 3 4 or 5 it's very different than what we prioritize now Um, but to go into the actual component of wrestling to go into the actual component of athleticism and Sports science. Athletes are better now than they ever were. That's undeniable. Uh, You see these quarterbacks sticking around the NFL, setting records into their mid 40s, and it's starting to become more normalized. Now, granted, that's like a 0.001% elite athlete, but still it's happening. Uh, You see people like tennis players, Serena Williams, uh, competing. In her mid 40s. And and this is unheard of historically. Part of the reason for that is because we know so much more from a science standpoint. If you look at a lot of the data that's come around, um, whether it's athletic training, physical therapy, strength and conditioning, a lot of these studies have been done in the past 20 to 30 years. And obviously, society values health more across the board, whether it's mental or biophysical. So, in my opinion, the biggest change is that you're seeing people wrestle for longer at a higher level, and they're healthier than they ever were. That's also sociological. You don't really hear about people being on the road 250, 300 days a year anymore. So on Sunday, I'll be competing at Rick Flair's last match. He's 73 years old, and to me, that's marvelous. It's incredible that this guy is wrestling at 73, and Mind you, the average rate of mortality for men in this country is around 76 years old, right? This guy was on the road more than he wasn't by a long shot in the 80s and 90s, and he's still able to wrestle. I mean, that to me is just unbelievable, but it makes me wonder uh, in the next 10 to 15 years, guys from my generation, and a lot of us, I'm in my 30s. I was always the baby in the locker room, right? But a lot of these guys are in their 40s now, and they're still wrestling at an extremely high level. And to me, that's really, really cool. Uh, Because if you look at what a, say, 45-year-old wrestler looked like in the early 90s versus what a 45-year-old wrestler could potentially look like now, it's very different. Uh, So to me, that's probably the biggest change that I've seen in terms of just not only aesthetics, but performance, and then the lifestyle changes as well, amongst my peers.
0: Okay. That's great. And well, so being that um, you've been wrestling since 2002, and it's been so long and so much has changed um, just with the athlete in general, Um, over all those years, since you've wrestled all these people, who do you think you've had the best chemistry with standing across the ring from? Uh, since you've wrestled so many different generations of wrestlers?
1: Uh,
2: That's tough to say, man. I mean, that's a question that if you ask me that again tomorrow, it'd probably be a different answer. The problem with the answer that I'm going to give is that we don't have enough time to really Mm -hmm. go over how many people I've been able to say, man, I had great chemistry with them. And for me, it was like different chapters of my career uh, where I had the chemistry with these guys and I remember that being very pivotal in 2005, but of course, like as life goes on, whatever's the latest and sexiest and coolest is going to be the one you remember most. So the easiest answer I can give you right now, probably the most recent too, playing off. What I just said is saving, um, is Chris Saban. And we just wrestled again for the first time in, uh, well over 10 years, like actually touching each other. And, um, Man, is he good. I mean, he's just so, so good. Uh, Certainly one of those like unsung heroes. And you talk to a lot of the people who would be considered generational equivalents of myself. And I think they would say Saban's one of the best, but you wouldn't know it uh, unless you were in the ring with him. Uh, But he's just so incredibly talented. Um, Then obviously there's other reasons that I would. Also mentioned him currently, but I'll give you him as the most recent example. Now, had you asked me a month prior, maybe I would have said Trey Miguel, maybe I would have said Jay White, uh, maybe I would have said Mike Bailey, uh, maybe I would have said Lee Moriarty. You know, there's Gresham. Uh, th- there's so many people. Like in the past year, I've been fortunate not to wrestle. That's just the past year. And again, coming full circle to what I had said earlier about preparing for a title match against Josh, I've wrestled all these guys you less than a year you find somebody else who's been able to wrestle all of these dudes right bandito tom waller like they're in there too it, it's very very fortunate for me like i consider myself very blessed that way
1: that's a that's a pretty cool uh that, that's a pretty cool way of looking at it i can i can respect that yes. um so you and Sabin have been a tag team for a very long time it's been very well documented you guys have a lot of accolades with each other um there's some fans who didn't watch impact back in the early days when you guys were a tag team um if there's a match from that time frame that you could point out for fans who aren't familiar with you guys that hey you guys should check this out and for them to check it out what would be a match that sticks out for you for fans who might not know to check out and watch
2: Okay, so I work 40 hours a week um, in physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And respectfully, I've got to dip my energy into buckets throughout my day, but I can't really throw all my energy into one thing. Otherwise, I'll burn out real bad. So I've gotten really good at partitioning, like how I use my time. And it sucks because... I don't see a lot of my loved ones as much as I would like. Um, I'm really bad at getting back to text messages because sometimes I miss them when I'm working with patients. I work at a 12 hour shift. Um, emails might go unanswered, uh, for a little bit. Cause again, I'll miss those too. And like literally in a given day, uh, between training and taking care of myself and like taking care of others and, uh, learning so I'm still studying for certifications and all these different hats I wear. Um, it's very easy for me to end up missing things, right? Just generally, like things that'll happen in wrestling. And I'll get to like a TV taping or an indie show and somebody will bring it up and it's like, oh, wow, I had no idea that happened. I had no clue that occurred. So that's a long way around to say that with social media, I check it very infrequently. And like, literally, I'll give myself like five to 10 minutes a day. And I won't check Twitter and Instagram on the same day. And, you know, it's like, okay, I got to like just devote that much time to it. So I can say I did it, but at the same time, it's not all consuming. And it doesn't overwhelm me. Um, Impact sent me a post the other day on Instagram. And uh, it was the, let's see, I guess it would be the 14-year anniversary this month um, of when they aired our match against speed muscle do you guys know who speed muscle is
1: yeah i'm 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 familiar with them yeah
2: okay so it's naruki doi and masato yoshino from drag gate uh last year yoshino-san retired but to me if you're gonna watch a machine guns match or really a tag team pro wrestling match and you're gonna show it somebody who had never really seen like fast-paced athletic wrestling i'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it but um that would be the match to go with i think it would probably be us against speed muscle the other option that would be i believe equivalent in a lot of the same ways would probably be when the young bucks debuted on tv in 2010 Okay, it was probably a match around like the same length i think both matches are they're sub eight minutes they have to be i think they're like closer to six and a half seven maybe but um You watch Nick and Matt, and the first time you see these guys, it's like, holy shit. Like, they're just, pardon my French, fucking unbelievable. Mm -hmm. the same way watching Speed Muscle, too. It's like, oh, my God, these guys are fucking good, man. So I think those are, like, the two matches if you're going to show somebody, like, here's the machine guns, watch these. And I almost feel like the story of our careers is we're really good but oftentimes people look better than we do. And uh, I don't know that you would watch either match and come back thinking like, wow, the machine guns were like the better of the teams. Um, I, I, and maybe I'm biased, but I was a huge speed muscle fan and a huge fan of the bugs. Like I helped them get their job in TNA. And um, of course it was their own talent that did it, but you know, I helped where I could. So I think if you give those two matches a glance or you show those to people who really don't know what tag team wrestling is per se, or maybe like haven't really seen like athletic pro wrestling, they think pro wrestling is very much kind of um, integrated with what, like you would perceive it to be in the nineties. Then this is like state of the art in a lot of ways.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Well, to to piggyback off of um, tag team wrestling, uh, being in multiple decades of tag teams with Chris Saban, uh, the Time Splitters with Kushida, um, do you feel like there is a such thing as being a tag team specialist? Um, and if it is a such thing, because you're such you're you're one of those people that, yes, you were in a lot of amazing tag teams, but even just to go back a few weeks to watch your match with Saban, you guys were absolutely incredible, um, just the single stars. So if there is a such thing as being a tag team specialist, uh, what would make you a tag team specialist? Is it just the longevity or is there a certain art to it that's different from singles wrestling?
2: Oh, there's definitely an art to it. Uh, I think I've gotten, I don't want to say pigeonholed, but I've gotten labeled a tag team specialist for like a lot of my career. And part of that was because it just so happened that at that point in time, or those points in time, they happen to need a tag team, and I'm good at tag team wrestling, and I think it's interesting when people see a match like myself and Saban, or anything uh, throughout the course of my career, and they say, whoa, he's really good at that. I didn't know he could do that, and to me, it's a matter of fact that well, that's been there all along. Right? I've always been able to do that. It just so happens that this was the job I was given. This was what needed to be done. Therefore, I did that. I do everything to the best of my ability. Um, I've had my ebbs and flows with where my head's at in wrestling. Or, and it's not really wrestling. It's more so like life, right? Like I've been very, very open about having anxiety and depression and uh, letting that affect me. But there's never been a point in pro wrestling where I've gone out to the ring and thought, I'm not going to work my hardest or I'm not going to do my best. Because first of all, that's not fair to anybody, whether that's me, whether that's a partner, whether that's my opponents or the fans. But at the same time, I just wasn't raised that way. I don't believe in that. You always do your best. And if it so happens to be that you're in a tag team, I'm going to do my best with it, right? So as far as a particular skill set, that comes with tag team wrestling. I think it's very chess-like. And what I mean by that is what is a tag team match? A tag team match is not a regular wrestling match. Can we agree on that? Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. If you show somebody a pro wrestling match and they really have no knowledge of it and it's, okay, you have to hold them down for one, two, three count, or you can put them in a hold and they give up. Oh, okay, I understand. When you put four guys out there and you just explain the rules of what a pro wrestling match is, wait, what's happening? Wait, so what can happen? A five count for what now? It's very different, and I think that's got to be respected. So if we view it through that lens, then a tag team match to me is basically the same as a ladder match or a cage match or a TLC match. There's different rules that apply. Therefore, how much can you bend and flex those rules? And where can things go? Well, really, truly, when you've got somebody else on your team, and here's the key, I've been fortunate enough to have like really good partners. So you look at who I've partnered with, but what I've been able to do is like be able to... mm -hmm, almost mind link with them and it's like we're operating one of the Jaegers from pacific rim like we're each one half of the body right so in being able to do that it's almost as if i have two of myself out there and if i can match their timing and i can understand how they think then that allows me to go into sync with them that's where the real success comes in as far as how the machine guns operated and then how the time splitters operated, too. Obviously, there's a lot of similarities between the three of us. If you look at me, Kushi, and Sabin, like it's very obvious that we're all, first of all, trained by the same guy in a lot of ways and had a lot of the same experiences. We're all about the same age. So I'm actually the youngest out of the three of us. And respecting that fact, if you're talking about the time splitters and machine guns in particular, it forms this sort of triumvirate or the skill sets are similar. Everybody can kind of do everything. Everybody's got the same general strength, speed, agility, and that makes it a hell of a lot easier for me to be a tag team specialist.
1: Okay. That's interesting. Um, I got a question I wanted to touch on with you. Um, because I noted that you, you work in the uh, physical therapy field. Um, and that, that is very interesting to me. Um, has that helped you at all in, in the wrestling business as opposed to dealing with injuries and you know types of pains for yourself or for people that you work with?
2: 1 million percent, yes. So there was a point probably uh, close to 15 years ago where, and again, I discussed mentally how I've had issues with um, really believing that I could succeed in wrestling, a lot of self-efficacy issues. And I decided 2008, I was going to go back to school, get a bachelor's degree in business. My idea was, and, you know, if I could be valuable to pro wrestling in a different way, if I could be in human relations, if I could have a business degree, um, if I could be educated, then maybe I could work in a different capacity in wrestling going forward. Ultimately, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be more marketable in wrestling, but at the same time, um, I understood that at that point in TNA in 2008, a guy like me wasn't going to get far. And under that management, I did not. Flash forward a little bit, I graduate in 2012, go to Japan. And I remember when I went to Japan in 2012, I thought to myself, I'll give this a couple years because I was under contract year to year. And uh, I'll either try to go to WWE because that seems like a logical step. Like, I'm going to learn everything I can in Japan. I was so happy. I cried when I signed my contract with them. And they welcomed me in and there were so many great wrestlers. This is gonna be so cool. I'm gonna suck up so much knowledge. When I was 21, I had been in zero one max for a year, year plus, and I was on every tour and I, I got so much better and uh great. You know, I'm in my late 20s, I'm just gonna continuously improve. And now I've got my bachelor's degree, I've got my four-year degree, like with a human resources concentration. This is cool. Okay. So I'm there for a few years and I start to go back to the idea of academia. Like I'm going to get my master's degree in business. Now at this point um, I was engaged and married and you know, it's like, well, my wife put pressure on me to like, I, I want you to be home more. Well, understandably. So like, it's not easy for guys to make a full time living in Japan, and have a family back home. Um, I've seen it happen without naming names. These guys Skyping their kids and they lose a signal as we go through a tunnel in the mountains. And it's like, geez, man, I really miss them. You know, I really miss my kids. Or um, my kid was just born six months ago. And I got back from this last nice tour, I didn't even recognize him. Like these types of things occur. You know, you're kind of like missing out on life in some ways. Um, but again, it's all perspective, you know, yin, yang yang. And I went back. My contract ended in 2015. I was married. Okay, I'm going to go back to school now. And I took a couple master's classes. And they were so expensive for me, because I had paid my entire bachelor's degree university prices out of pocket, and I was paying out- of pocket for another um, university level master's. Uh, man this might be a good time to switch field switch concentration. So I switched. A friend of mine had just graduated with history at physio, and he goes, "You should try this." And you know what? You'll be grandfathered in a lot because you already have a bachelor's degree, right? So you're already like a ways in. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So I did that. And, you know, it's one of those issues that if you're going to go into medical, you have to have a passion for learning, like to really do well with it, to really survive it. You have to have the drive to continue educating oneself. You have to like to learn. And the reason I say that is because oftentimes working with the general public, working with patients, at least when you're working in a field that deals with pain, and I do mean pain, people are not their best selves. They're not very thankful. Oftentimes they have ulterior motives. There's people I get who come into physical therapy who don't want to get better. And I'll leave that to your imagination as to why that may be. There's also very rewarding instances, too, where you really, truly help somebody. And those are the ones that kind of push you along. And really, like physical therapy is a medical profession, doesn't get paid much. You know, in this country, because we have privatized healthcare, who's at the top of that totem pole? Doctors. We think mm-hmm. doctors are gods in the U.S. If you go to France, a family care physician makes about the same as a high-level engineer, right? Right. Here, definitely not the case. I and mean, we're talking a differential of like four to five times wage. So getting out of school and practicing physical therapy um, made me grow as a person. And certainly the clinical rotations for a year made me grow. Uh, I had to learn patience and I had to learn empathy and I had to learn how to speak to people and I had to learn how to really truly listen and as I was going through my own life changes, divorce, and being homeless for a period of time, and coming back to wrestling, should I come back to wrestling? How do I get myself back in shape? You know, you learn all these things, and you dive into this research, and whether it's mental health or uh, biomechanics or nutrition, um, I'm doing this all along while I'm also working with people and figuring out exactly how people heal and how they move and how everybody moves differently. And the best way to move is at certain points in the lifespan, but also in injury because um, there are different phases of healing and different stressors you should put on tissues at those points. Now I'm learning more about what's a red flag, what's not, what should be protected, what shouldn't, um, what should you load? What should you not load? What should you stretch? Uh, When is it not safe to stretch? All these different things going forward. And in my opinion, for me, selfishly, that was always one of the reasons I wanted to go into physical therapy. I wanted to understand how to optimize my own health, my own performance, but also to be there for loved ones and friends and athletes, um, specifically wrestlers, specifically so I could have an answer. Um, I will give you an example, but I work for a company that, mainly focuses on necks and backs, right? We do spinal cord care. When I say spinal cord care, it's not as doom and gloom as it may sound. We're not talking like quadriplegics or tetraplegics per se, right? It's just like mm-hmm. people with neck or back pain, or like I got some numbness tingling, or maybe they had a procedure done. You know, they got a lumbar or cervical fusion. Okay, but um, this is when it really hit that it was something that I knew that other people didn't um i had come back to wrestling this was 2019 and first company i came back to i wanted to come back to ring of honor first because they put me through school and i thought that was noble of them because they didn't necessarily get the return on their investment that they probably should have because i was so out of it i was so whacked out i was stretched so thin i was trying to be a husband and a wrestler and a caretaker for jamie and um a son and uh brother and a best friend of people. And it was just like way too much. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I did the best I could. And I got through it, but like by the skin of my teeth. And um, I remember talking to delirious saying, I want to come back here. If you'll have me, Um, I've got myself in good shape and I uh, give me a chance and I'll prove myself. And I did. So we were at a ring of honor show in late 2019. And um, far be it for me to talk about anybody's injury, right? Like HIPAA, even though it doesn't really apply, it was kind of off the record. But one of my friends, who is a wrestler, was complaining about the shoulder pain and shoulder. And uh, I asked him how he got injured he explained it to me. OK. And I said, are you sure it's your shoulder? He Because I don't know what else it would be. I said, I think it might be your neck. So I ran through a cluster of orthopedic testing on it. And there's all these different tests. You can do distraction tests. spurling Test is rotator cuff. Make sure nothing's torn. Test is bicep tendon. Make sure nothing's torn. Okay, speed's test is negative. Hawkins-Kennedy, negative. spurlings positive. It's like, what's going on? And I realized right away, dude, it's not your shoulder. It is your neck. And I said, when I do this, does it make you feel better? Yep. When I do this, does it provoke your symptoms? Yes. Like, oh, dude, you have a neck injury. You have a bulge disc at the very least. And he freaks out. No, 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 Don't freak out. Because in medicine, you have to realize you don't treat the diagnosis; You treat the symptoms. You treat the person, right? I believe it was Hippocrates who said, know the person who has a disease before you know the disease that has the person. And it's like, you're a pro athlete, man. Like, you've been working out on this. Like, you've been wrestling on this for, um, you know, a little while. But it might behoove you to take a month off and just kind of like let this settle down let and go away. And um, I saw this gentleman, not that long ago, and we talked about this. Well, you remember that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And I, was, um, I showed him what to do for it. Right. Like move your neck this way. Don't do this. Don't do this. Um, definitely back off these exercises, but start doing these ones. He goes, the advice you gave me was so great. And I've never had any issues since. And that to me was worth it in a lot of ways right Uh, because my path is a very strange one in terms of pro wrestling in terms of life and having that skill set to understand health and um, the human body and anatomy that way when a lot of people don't uh, and have that answer for him be able to help him is really really rewarding
0: awesome that's awesome man you know there's so much that you know and there's um so much that you've done Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask was um because you've been in this since the 2000s if you're a fan like me that did watch impact um or TNA uh in the 2000s and remember you fondly from that era I've seen you more recently in MLW working some of their shows um whenever you're in Philly so I've seen how good you are now and of course, how good you've been on Impact, uh, and it's just as good, if not better, probably better. Um, but for the people that remember you fondly from the 2000s, and that's that's what they think of when they think of Alex Shelley. Do you think that, given this new run in MLW and an Impact, that we might that fans might be approaching um, a new time, or newer fans are born every day? So, do you think? Um, there's we're approaching a new time where people will remember this Alex Shelley is their favorite Alex Shelley rather Uh, than so
2: I think what's happening now is that obviously there's a generational shift like I'm on uh, the millennial spectrum I believe so Gen Z's after so that is coming in. But then what's happening too is you're getting a lot of guys my age in their 30s and they have kids now. And these kids are coming to shows, but they're like of a notable age. So I'm 39 and it's not inconceivable for somebody to have a kid in their mid-20s, really. Um, So if that's the case and you're 39, like your kid's 13, 14 years old. Well, that's like the age where everybody I know who like really truly like loved wrestling was kind of around that point when they fell like deeply, deeply in love with it. Maybe a little earlier, uh, maybe way earlier, but for sure by then, you really don't hear too much about it. Like, yeah, man, I got into wrestling when I was 18, you know, like that just doesn't happen because by that point, you're already kind of like on a trajectory through life and you've got your interests and you got what you're into, what you want to pursue. You probably have a dream of what you want to do, whether you chase it or not, that's up to you. So, it wouldn't surprise me if like four or five years from now, maybe I wrestle somebody and, you know, they would be 19, 20 years old. And like, oh yeah, I've been watching you for like a while. I started watching you in 2020 um, on Ring of Honor Impact or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's definitely gotten to the point where I'm getting relatively frequently now. Um, I grew up watching and this is coming from people I'm wrestling. Or, there's a couple people out there like, Hey, I have a picture of meeting you when I was a kid and, uh, they're, you know, 12 or 13 and I'm in my mid twenties or something like that. It's like, Whoa, man, like that's kind of crazy, but like they're peers too. Right. So it's, it's very interesting that way. Um, Nick Wayne's kind of like that, right? Like Nick Wayne's, uh, I think he's 17 now, but he's a guy who I'd like a, I talk to quite a bit and he comes to me for advice and I'm happy to give it to him. And, uh, I respect his opinion quite a bit as well. And when you talk to him or when I talk to him, at least like, it's like, there's no age difference in a lot of ways. Um, at least when it's wrestling and then, you know, when he talks about other things, I'm like, Oh yeah, he's 17. And he probably thinks the same thing about me. Like I'm almost 40. Um, but yeah, he's a guy who like grew up watching me and he was a fan. And then, It's he views me very differently than I do myself or my peers would view me too. Um, So there's going to be a whole new generation of fans to answer your question. Yes. Like ultimately we are getting a new generation of fans or a new cluster of fans um, who are going to be, you know, young teens right now. And these guys, depending on who they watch and what they gravitate towards are going to five, 10 years from now um, end up citing certain people in this period of time, guys who are being featured now on tv or on the independence or whatever it may be yeah he's the reason i got into this or he was my favorite or there was something about him that made me think i could do it that drew me in and it'll be interesting to see like who they end up gravitating towards i think uh it'll be really intriguing five years from now to hear if yeah i got into wrestling because of lee moriarty or if i got into wrestling because of uh, Jordan Grace you know what I mean like just like these these interesting characters that are out there that do these different things too and I, I think that'll be really cool like going forward to just hear where people found their muse got their inspiration
1: I agree with that um and that's interesting too because like you said some people that you wrestle now or or that you don't wrestle now they come to you and they say, hey, you know, you're the reason I got interested into this and things like that. Um, when you were when you were starting out and when you were getting started, who are some of the people that got you interested in the business that you kind of gravitated towards?
2: Right. So I was really, really um, very lucky. Uh, I look at my career and I've been very lucky. And I literally was able to wrestle with so many of my heroes really quickly. So I grew up watching WWF in the 90s. That's what I watched, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, WCW didn't drive with me, being from Detroit. We got WWF, but also I liked the colorful characters and I liked the costumes and the glitz of it and uh, kind of the sheen that was over everything. My favorites were... As a kid, right, Razor Ramon and one two, 3 Kid, Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, um, all those types of guys. And you go from there and eventually you see other things. And in Detroit, we were really, I don't know, maybe an aberrant because we got so much wrestling. We got so much. So as a kid, I could literally, and I'm, I'm talking like I'm 11, 12 years old, but I could watch WWF on Saturday. WCW would be on at nighttime. And then once they got the cruiserweights, I started to kind of, oh, okay. This is interesting. This is different. Um, So then, you know, probably 95, 96, I started paying attention to them. And we also got USWA. We got Smoky Mountain. We got ECW. So we had access to everything, man. Absolutely everything. And it was so weird for me to be watching WWF as a kid, and then turn on USWA on Saturday, and like everybody's cheering for Jerry Lawler. Like, wait, what? It, it, it didn't make sense, but like eventually it did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading things like The Torch and The Observer when I was 12. So, okay. Now I'm learning like trade newsletters. I don't know what else to call it, but you know, learning more about the industry. And uh, the thing that caught my eye most. After WWF at that point, because even with the Cruiserweights, I was still a huge WWF fan, um, was ECW. And that was because it hit at the right time with the right part of my heart. Uh, when I was 11 years old, I got a guitar for Christmas, right? All I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was learn to play Dookie by Green Day, Nirvana Unplugged in New York, and Austin. That's it. And I remember the first time I saw ECW and they're playing like alternative. And I'm like, whoa, they're playing real music, not pro wrestling music. Like, this is insane. And then you start to see some of the characters. It's like, oh, whoa, I get this, man. And you see some of the guys that they use because they use great wrestlers too. And it's like, this is fucking cool. Um, You know, the first time you see Sabu, like, just in the opening montage of ECW, I feel like you could show that somebody who had never seen wrestling, and their jaws would drop. And you see that triple jump moonsault, and it's like, what the fuck? Um, so suddenly, I'm captivated now by the Eliminators, and Sabu, and Rob Van Dam, and then they brought the Michinoku Pro guys. When they brought the Michinoku Pro guys in, that was it. And I, I thought, wow, Japanese wrestling. I'd seen the Japanese wrestlers in WCW, but they didn't move like that or look like that. Mm-hmm. Okay now let's start buying tapes from japan so now i started buying tapes from japan and of course i like the new japan juniors but i fall in love with like the indie guys right like Michinoku pro and battle arts so now uh it's shifted wwf and i named all those guys and then w e c w named those guys now i'm watching like dick togo and um uh, Great Saz came, Sato Tanaka, and the battle arts guys, like Minoru Fujita and Hidaka, mm-hmm. and um, Men's Tale, and, and like eventually um, Torimon came, right? And I saw Asaisan's sans Ultimate Dragon students on Nitro, and now well, they have a company too. So I'm like at this point, like throughout this period of time, it, it was probably only like five to six years, right? wwf ecw now international tapes and uh i started wrestling at 18 here's where it gets fucked up from 18 to 23 i got to be trained by sabu team with kevin nash team with x Pac go to Japan in zero one, wrestle Otani and Tanaka and Hidaka and Fujita and team with Dick Togo. And it's like, what the fuck just happened? So it's like all these guys I grew up watching and idolized to some degree. I ended up interacting with like literally in my first, like four to five years of wrestling. And to me, that was just the fucking coolest. And it was so surreal and sublime because you meet them for the first time and you too may have had this experience but have you met somebody that you like i don't want to say idolized but looked up to or you've been intimidated by in that sort of grandiose fashion have you met people like that before
0: Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i remember standing next to tajiri right okay in people clothes you do not recognize at all (laughs) but i remember being at a show and being like who is that why don't i I feel like I should know. And I looked down and I saw his pants. He was wearing like the, a beater, or like a regular shirt. And I looked down and saw his pants. It was like, Oh my God, that's Tajiri. And I had like almost lost my mind. It's so hard to keep composed when you're standing next to those guys. So I could only imagine meeting yeah. so many of them in that time span.
2: Right. And it's like, I'm not just meeting them, but like, yeah, you're teaming with him or you're wrestling him. Like, Oh fuck. And for me, it's one of those situations where, And maybe this happened with you, you, but maybe not, but it's happened with me multiple times where they seem much bigger. Like you hear larger than life. That's true. We actually perceive people because of our sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight. We actually perceive people to be like larger when we first meet them, if we're kind of amped up Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just the way the brain works. So I remember meeting like Tanaka and Otani-san for the first time. Like Holy fuck, man, they're huge. And I look back on, them like, well, they're not. They're not huge. <laughs> they're they're closer to my size, you know. But like the first time you meet them, it's just so, whoa, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was, and this is where I think you get the sign of somebody who's aligned with what they should be doing, or really, truly a great athlete, a great athlete who is meant for their sport. They have a couple different abilities that the regular athlete does not have. One of them is they're able to calm their nerves down right away. And you talk to all these wrestlers, right? I don't really care who it is. I've heard so many of them say it. When we're behind the curtain, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. It's like, fuck, man, I can't wait for this to be over. Let's fucking go. Like, I'm ready, right? And you're nervous. You're nervous before your music hits, and then it hits. That's it. And you just go into autopilot. That's a sign of an athlete. You think NFL players aren't, like, nervous before the game, but then you watch, like, Matt Stafford as a quarterback, calm, composed, right? But they, of course, get some sort of feeling before they go out there. How could they not? So that's one sign. The other thing, too, that happens is time will slow down for an athlete who's meant for their sport. They talk about it explicitly in their research, and you can literally, in a flow state. Have you guys heard of that before?
1: A flow state
2: flow state yeah basically like when you've got the right amount of work the right amount of pressure on you and you're able to just flow it just feels like you're swimming through something so if you're really good at something it doesn't necessarily always apply to sports it could be music or it could be art or it could be anything but you'll enter a flow state and time just kind of feels like it's moving slower than it is but it's moving very quickly too right you're just able to control yourself a little better feels like you can control the environment around you too. So that's when I realized that, okay, like I'm intimidated by this guy. This is somebody I watched growing up. That's it. Now I'm done with that. Right. Like now I've got to wrestle them or I've got to wrestle with them. Here we go. Let's go to work. And I think that's where you get these guys who like, yeah, they'll be all right. You know, I've had guys lock up with me and girls, literally if it's practice, it's practice. And they'll lock up and I'll put them in a hold like a hammer lock or a headlock. And I can feel them shaking. They're shaking, right? Because they're wrestling me, and for whatever reason, they think I'm on this pedestal, which I'm, I'm most certainly fucking not. I assure you. I work forty hours a week. I'm a schmuck, but you'll feel them like just kind of tremoring. It's like, whoa, well, man! Like it's okay. It's all right. But I've never had that. I've never locked up with somebody, and been so intimidated. It's like you just wrestle, right? This is what you're mm-hmm. what you're trained to do. Um, It's just different mindsets. So for me to wrestle my heroes or be around them first and meet them. Whoa, cool. They're so big. Then ding, ding, ding. Okay. Nope. Now it's time to go. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Then they just become another opponent, another person on the field. And I think part of that probably comes from like me playing sports growing up too, right? Mm -hmm. Like obviously the more you're exposed to that stimuli, um, if you deal with it well, as a child, like you, you're starting to establish a foundation for how you're going to deal with it
0: later in life. Oh awesome. man, Alex, you're absolutely, this has been absolutely amazing for us. Um, cool. We don't want to take up too much of your time. I know Duke, I'll, I'll let you finish it off. Yep. Um, I think I've asked everything I want to ask.
1: All right. So for the final question, because you have a lot going on, you got a lot look to look forward to in the future. If you can just give us a little glimpse, what's next for Alex Shelley?
2: Oh, man. that's a tough question. Um, so let me back up and give you how I view life. Let me give you a ticket to my train of thought. Mm-hmm. I work, again, in a company that deals with people who have back and neck and trees, right? Have you two had any sort of back or neck pain in your life? <laughs> yes, Definitely. of course, right? Of course you have. We all do. Um, I also see a number of people who are literally here, and then something happens, and now they're there. And what is that? And in the U.S. I feel that the biggest X factor isn't necessarily injury from sport or recreation. It's a car accident. Um, People's lives change within milliseconds from a car accident. So when I first started working in that clinic almost four years ago, I would talk to these people and these were CEOs and these were bodyguards and these were bodybuilders and these were personal trainers and they were um, lawyers and literally they're one car accident away from having their life completely flipped upside down. That's it. They were one car accident away. Something happened and now it's totally different. And I mean, absolutely every aspect of their life. And that to me as somebody who before that always wanted to have like a little bit of control of everything or a lot of control. I always wanted everything planned out and I'll do this and I want this routine. It's like, I would have been great in the military is what I've been told. Hmm. Because you give me these objectives, A, B, C, all the way through Z and I'll do them. And this is cool. And you know what to expect and there's no surprises. And What that ends up doing is the more you try and hold on to something and squeeze it, right? Because life is chaos, truly. The more you end up expending this energy that is ultimately futile, you can't control life, right? You can only do your best with what's given to you. But if you're a control person, you'll end up stressing out and you will likely end up burning out and becoming depressed. Because if something is out of your control or you lose control, then what happens? Now I'm worried. Now I'm upset. Now I'm anxious or I'm sad. So I used to be very much like that. And I went to a mental health professional and I learned a bunch of coping tools. And then working in this job, I started to understand, mind you, I'm still going to a mental health professional like four years ago as I'm working in PT. So it's like, wow, I'm getting treated as I'm treating. And this is highly beneficial because now I'm reprogramming how I think and I got this perspective that was totally different and um, I don't think too much about what the future is going to hold and I try not to want for much because I'm so blessed and I'm so fortunate uh, in terms of what I've been able to do in my life and in terms of the situation I've managed to set up for myself. I I own my home and I just bought a new car and got money in the bank and I've got numerous things I can do for income and all these different skills and all these different people who care about me. And it's like, what more do you want? Right. Uh, yeah. It'd be nice to have a lot more money. Yeah. It would be nice to have maybe a, a bigger home or something like that. But do I really need that? Not not really. Right. Like you can only be in one place at one point in time period. So if you're happy where you're at, you're you're doing pretty good ultimately. And again, talking about all these successful people I've worked with, a lot of them were miserable. Like They had all these things that on paper would be um, objectives you tick off. Like, yeah, you're doing great. Wow, you have this, and you have that, and you have the other. But they, they weren't happy. That's it. And if you're happy, you win, right? So, again, as far as what's next for me, I try not to think about it. And I try to just do the best with whatever I've got and just be present in that moment. Now, are there goals? Yeah, but I feel like goals are dangerous, too, because at the same time, what happens when you meet a goal? Where do you go after that? Mm-hmm. Like I met the goal. Am I done with it now? Like, do I just abandon everything that got me there? Therefore, what I found to be most beneficial is enjoying the process of getting to the goal. And if you do that, then, well, I hit the goal, but I can still do this. And I'm, I'm good at this. And I'm enjoying this. This is helping me. Let's keep going. And that's how I approached it when I came back to wrestling a couple years ago, but certainly since I came back a year ago, certainly since I came back a year ago, I'm going to enjoy this process and I'm going to do the best with what I got. And it's worked out really, really well. And I've been so happy um, to work for all these different companies and MLW, and PWG, and I was IWTV champion, now champion for prestige. And I I work for impact and like, wow, this is so great. So if I had to say that there's things I would like to work towards and identify them, I would, at this point in my life, it, I would really like to sign a full-time contract again with a wrestling company and wrestle full-time for a living. And I feel like I've had my time in physical therapy and I've, you know, practiced for almost four years and, um, uh, okay, cool. Like, check i did it right and i can always go back to that no problem just gotta maintain my licensure um which isn't all that hard especially because i think i've got enough continuing education to renew it now but i i would like to go deeper into wrestling and see like what i'm capable of and like go deeper into the uh strength and conditioning realm while i do that deeper into the coaching and i'm kind of like this weird underground coach in pro wrestling where in the past couple years like there's this whole swarm like this whole cluster of wrestlers who come to me um, for advice and I'm not saying that to be braggadocious or say like Alex Shelley such a great teacher that's not the case what I do is I I learn from them too like they're teaching me just as much as I'm teaching them so it's less of a mm, student teacher it's more so peers who use each other as a think tank right Mm -hmm. ideas off each other here's how we can go about this, man. What do you think? Oh, here's what I think. This would be cool. Wouldn't it? And you work together as a team. And I would like to do more of that, right. Whether that's with impact or whether that's with a different company or, or just the way I've been doing it too. The only downside, the only negative thing, and I can't say this is a negative in my life currently is I don't sleep. (laughs) I do not sleep. So, um, you know, everybody has a wearable device now right whether it's like a fitbit or i, I use an apple watch for physical mm-hmm. therapy especially because i need a timer quick to test people and you know whatever um but i also have a wearable that's called an aura ring so it's like this ring you put on when you go to bed. so watch is kind of uncomfortable to like sleep in right so you put this ring on and uh basically it tracks your light sleep deep sleep around hrv you know a couple different biometrics when you get up whatever and it gives you you know loadouts and Okay, cool. Uh, they actually used them to measure body temperature for the NBA players when they first came back from the pandemic. Um, just to see if they were getting like sick, right? Like, are you getting a fever, right? is one of the early COVID symptoms was fever. So um, I say all this because it gives you an average every month about how much you actually slept. And this sounds fucking insane, but I told Satan the other day, he goes, man. Patrick, that's really bad. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I know it's bad, dude. I, the wound's open. We don't need the salt. Um, but it's like, I think my average for June was, I slept on average, right? So there's nights where I get much less nights where I might get a little more but five hours and 13 minutes <laughs> a night, right? And it's because my days are so packed. So I wake up um, at about 5 a.m., and I go to the gym for an hour and a half, and I come back and I shower and I go to the clinic and I do that four days in a row. And then if I've got a show on Friday, well, guess what? Like you're going to catch that early flight, right? Um, you know, and I told myself when I came back, too, I'm only going to do like one show a weekend. Well, that lasted for like two months. And I was like, okay, maybe two. Okay, once in a while, three, right? Um, which is cool because I have like, I use my tail at work to like flex the schedule. I've got a great manager and they're, they're really cool about that because I work so hard, but, um, you know, it, it's just not easy and I get a day off. Right. Or like on Fridays, I usually work, um, until two o'clock Our clinic closes a little earlier now. It's like, what am I going to do with the day? I, you got to do adult shit, man. Like <laughs> there's, there's no way around this. You know, it's like, I don't have kids, um, or like a wife or anything but fuck me like i've gotta pay these bills and i've gotta do laundry and i've gotta go grocery shopping and i've gotta clean and, you know, and i think i do a pretty good job with it um all in all but then on top of that too like i'm still there trying to be there for other people um like I'll give you an example myron reed is somebody i think the world of i think he's a great guy He's one of my favorite guys. Um, there's a wrestler too. Like, I think he's yeah. just so cool looking, man. Like if I was a kid and I saw him, I'd just be kind of captivated by him. He seems to me like a guy, like you would go see in an ECW and he'd be wrestling like easy money. And it's like, whoa, this guy's dope. Um, but uh, months ago, I told him I'd help him out with his nutrition and like write up a nutrition plan for him, kind of like use science a little bit. Like, here's what he wants to get better. Okay, so we got to multiply uh, how many kilograms he weighs by X amount of protein per kilogram, and then let's use undulating macros. We'll change his nutrition every day. But it's really heavy workout days. We'll give him this much. So like, I'm I'm trying to do all this, like importantly. Mm. Science, because ultimately that's where I'd like to go. I'd like to be like a strength and conditioning coach for a uh, major wrestling company, and then on top of that, maybe a technician coach and a wrestler too, right? So that would be cool. And it's like this would be good practice, and it'll help him. And I do have I've worked with coaches myself too, so like I've been able to suck up their knowledge too because these guys are geniuses. So it took me probably like four months to like actually write up this nutrition plan for him because I just kept forgetting. You know, like I I don't read my text messages um, when I'm at work, and they'll pile up, and it's like, oh fuck, man, I was supposed to give this guy this thing back in like fucking January, you know, and now it's May, and it's like, I'm so sorry, dude. But then I gave it to him, and he was super thankful, and it's working really well for him too. So it would be nice to answer your question in a very concise statement. To sign a contract with a pro wrestling company full-time salary so that I could devote more of my time to pro wrestling because I think I'm good on physical therapy now. And I would like to be a full-time pro wrestler as well as a coach, as well as a certified strength and conditioning specialist too. That's it.
1: That's commendable. I like that. Thanks. That, that was, that was a dope. That's an answer I wasn't expecting. That was a really cool answer.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, it would be a really cool path
1: too. And there's really
2: like, uh, I don't know too many other people who can do it. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. I don't think there's anybody else who can do it. Like to even sit for the CSCS exam, you have to have a bachelor's degree at least, right? Well, I've got a couple. And on top of that, I worked in medicine for four years too. You just don't really see it. Like the only person whose path is close to mine, And we've talked about this um, at length, but is um, Davy Richards. And his is very different too, because he's even further along. Like in his education, he's going to be a doctor. Like, you know, they go through a lot. He was a paramedic for years, but he was always somebody I really looked up to. And I've told him that I was like, Wes, you're my hero, man. I remember you studying for your paramedic licensure on the way back from Japan in 2010 and thinking like, wow, man, this guy's really devoted to it. And at that time I was going for my own bachelor's degree. But we've had a lot of similar mental struggles and we're at similar points in our life in a lot of ways. Now, he's going to make like 10 times the money I do as a doctor. But um, he's the guy that to me was like, this is so cool. Him and uh, Austin Creed, um, Xavier Woods, but Austin was in school. Like he graduated and then signed with Impactor, was already signed. And uh, I just thought that was so neat that he, he had done both and he went on and got his master's and I think maybe his doctoral degree in mental health. Um, and it's like, wow, man, like you did it. Like you did this while you were wrestling. Like how cool if you can do it, it gives me hope that I can do it too. And, uh, those are the only two guys I can think of that like really had that higher level education as they were going through it. Um, and, and you know, Steve Macklin's actually doing it right now. Like, you'll see him oh, yeah. in the locker room, and this is cool. And, like, he's, he's, what are you doing, man? Oh, doing homework. Bro, I understand. And, like, he's doing it now to where, like, distance learning is very possible and very easy. When I did mine in 2009, 10, 11, like, it wasn't as common, right? And we didn't have Wi Fi everywhere. So, literally, I would be on, like, the hotel computer while we were on the road. And I used to room with AJ Styles, right? AJ was like a big brother to me. He took care of me for the last probably like year and a half, two years I was there. And uh, it would be like, okay, Alan, um, I'll I'll be back in an hour to go to the gym, man. I, I've got to go down to the lobby and submit this paper um, for my economics class. Okay, man. You know, and it was, it was just like a lot. And, you know, we'd be in Abu Dhabi. And like I'm sitting there answering discussion board questions, right? So it it was really um, something I'm very proud of, I realize now. And it was not easy to do. That's cool. Yep.
1: Um, Well, guys, that's it. This is the Alex Shelley experience. Alex, thank you for being on the show again. Thanks, guys. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you stay up. Make sure you stay blessed. And as always, stay dangerous.